Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Earn Fun Average podcast. I'm your host, Eric Prophet, coming to you from Wichita, Kansas. And with me, as always, I have Johnny Bowen from the great state of Mississippi. Johnny, today, this one's going to be really fun. I'm excited. We have the voice, the radio voice of the Kansas City Monarchs. We have Dan Vaughn with us. How are you today, Dan? From the great state of Texas via Kansas City, I'm Dan Vaughn. Well, we appreciate you joining us. And for those that uh, I'm great, I'm great, guys. I just had to kind of chime in, like, but yeah, I'm doing great. And, and uh, really great to have it be on. I always love talking monarchs and uh, just so proud of what we do. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on and joining us. And for the listeners that may not be familiar, so the Kansas City Monarchs are in their second year of the American Association, their independent league. They were actually, some people may be familiar, they used to be the Kansas City T-Bones, but then last year they rebranded to be the Kansas City Monarchs, and the mm-hmm. Kansas City Monarchs obviously was an old Negro Leagues team from back 60, 70 years ago. Dan, how long have you been with the Monarchs now at this point? I worked with the Gary South Sherelle Cats from 2013 to 2016, in the offseason of 16, 17, right from the 17th season. I got a, a feel out, you know, how do you, what do you think about maybe coming to Kansas City? So I came to Kansas City in March of 17 and been with the, was of the T-Bone 17, 18, 19. Basically, I've been with Joe Cathbiatri, who's our manager, who came in 17 as well. Uh, I've been with him the entire time since he came in. I like to think that we came in together, but really they brought him in because he's great. And they brought me in to <laughs> talk about his greatness. But uh, I stayed over when the Monarchs rebranded. They were sold. Uh, the T-Bones were sold after the, the 2019 season to local ownership here. And I was blessed to be able to stay over and uh, been with the uh, Monarchs ever since. So let me ask you then, since you were with the T-Bones, now obviously the Monarchs you know, got the blessing from not only like the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum <laughs> and some of those, but how has the kind of the change going from a team kind of with your normal wacky kind of minor league, independent league team and nickname to the old Kansas City Monarchs, has that you know gone over well, or any thoughts about that since you were with the T Bones and now as they rebranded as the Monarchs? There are a lot of really cute mascots out there. I mean, really, I mean, Eric, there are a lot of really cute, fun, cool mascots. And as a minor league guy, quote unquote, over the years, I mean, I've I've always wanted to work for one of those cute mascots. I mean, you you know, there, I remember back when I first broke in years ago, the Carolina Mudcats was a big deal. The Chattanooga Lookouts, you know, of course, that's an old name, but, you know, teams, you know, had those cool names, you know, these, all, the, the, the bats, things like that. And I always thought, oh, it'd be great to work for a great, a brand with a cool name. But then I got the ultimate blessing. I get to work with a brand that's not only, it's part of the, the most recognizable name of all the Negro League teams. They were, the, they were, they were better than the New York Yankees were. I mean, that's how good this club was. And to be able to talk about that brand on a nightly basis and connect the old history it's it's a great blessing. I'm overwhelmed at the opportunity that I get to do that. And, you know, the T-Bones were a great brand, a great name, but the Monarchs are legendary. That name in this city, in Kansas City, you, you, you're you a sports fan in KC. It doesn't matter if you're from Kansas or Missouri, you know the Monarch story. That's a very big deal. I, that responsibility, I cherish that responsibility. Yeah, we just love to kind of hear that, how especially like you were with being with the old team and now with the new club. What was kind of cool is that last year, very first year that they rebranded and became the Kansas City Monarchs, they actually swept through the American Association (laughs) playoffs and won the championship in the very first year. 
And Johnny, I know you like to listen to the radio call quite a bit for a lot of baseball games. So one of the classic calls that I like hearing, if you go out there and look at Monarchs online, um, is Dan's call last year when they won the championship, they beat Fargo Moorhead. Dan calls it and basically says, rain reborn, which was kind of their slogan, rain reborn, rains again. And to me, that's just kind of one of the classic radio calls that you'll hear so dan i really enjoyed seeing that i've watched that video dozens of times the final out the batter had kind of like a half check swing and had a kind of hopper right back to the pitcher and about halfway down the first baseline the batter just kind of stopped running because he knew he wasn't going to beat it typically your pitcher is going to flip over to the first baseman but he actually just ran it all the way himself stepped on first and then during that celebration, Dan comes out with that classic line that I love here. And uh, I appreciate that. And I'll give you a little story about that. The pitcher is Jamison McGrade and the batter was John Siliano. And they were, they had been teammates in the 2020 season during that COVID year, they played at St. Paul together. You know, in COVID year in 2020, the association had six teams and all the teams kind of had a, a dispersal draft that didn't play. And so, you know, Silviano was playing for Fargo. He went and played for St. Paul. Jamison had signed for, with us, but he didn't play for us yet. So Jamison goes to St. Paul. They're teammates. And early that season, they had a, same, a similar play in Fargo where it was a little comebacker, and Jamison threw it. And, and Silviano was kind of joking with him, saying, well, why can't you beat me to first base? Well, <laughs> it happened to be on that final play that they're facing each other. And Jamison, he said his natural reaction was to stop and throw, and he kind of hitches his giddy up a little bit. And he realizes, oh, wait, Silviano and I had talked about this. He ran the whole way to first base and did it by himself. So, uh, and again, the rain reborn, I preached the kind words. That, uh, that's a, that was a, it was a special moment for us. I got the pleasure coming. I went to game two of, I don't know if it's called the divisional series or whatever the round prior to the championship right. series was when right. they played the Sioux City Explorers. I took my family up there to that second game and, that was a lot of fun. It had been a while. So that was the first time I saw a Monarchs game last year. I had been up previous to see a T-Bones game. So here in Wichita from 2008 to 2018, we had the Wichita Wingnuts who were a division yep. rival of the T-Bones. So I went up there to Legends Field in Kansas City, which is on the Kansas side for those that yep. aren't familiar. So we have the Royals who are on the Missouri side and then uh, in Legends at Legends Field, Uh, is where the Monarchs play. But so we went up to the game. And for those that aren't familiar with Legends Field, the clubhouse is not in the dugout like you would be used to with most stadiums. So it's actually out in right field. And so what's kind of unique about that is that the players will come out of the clubhouse and they'll have to walk down through the stands, through the fans to get to the field. And during that game, I believe there was two coaches for Sioux City and two players that all got ejected during that game. And yep. so in between innings, when the team's out there warming up before the next inning starts, they had to pack up their stuff and they can't just sneak through the dugout. They have to go through the playing field all the way up into the stands out to the clubhouse. And so my son thought that was the funniest thing ever because all these <laughs> players and coaches had to do the walk of shame all the way from the third base dugout to the right field stands. And so it was a lot of fun going to that game. They, the Monarchs end up obviously winning that game because they swept not only Sioux city, but then Fargo Moorhead as well. Uh, So we just had a blast. And then I actually got to meet my favorite Kansas city Royal Paulo Orlando, the Monarchs (laughs) signed Paulo 
right before the playoffs last year. And I'd always been a big fan of Paulo since his days when they won the world series in 2015. And I hadn't met him yet, but we went and he was the very last one to come out of the clubhouse. And finally he came out. So my son ran over there and kind of intercepted him. So he wouldn't go down to the field yet. And we got to meet him and take our pictures. That game was a ton of fun when we got to go to the playoffs last year. There's a, there's a great photo of, uh, not to jump in there, but there's a great photo of the championship team together and Paulo's holding the Brazilian flag. Yeah. I've uh, seen that in the, in the team fit in the team photo. And he, I can tell you, he still, as a matter of fact, uh, last week we were in Chicago last weekend and I was talking to Joe Cafbiatra and I were just taped our pregame interview and his phone rings. He looks at me and goes, Paulo, I love talking to this guy. And they, they, there's still a relationship there and he lives here in the area, you know, I know he's from Brazil, but still lives here. And he was such a big part of what we did last year. And, you know, when you get a big league guy like that, I remember Paulo telling me too, he said, the world series is fun. The world series is a blast. Obviously when the, the, the world series is a big deal, that's the, the pinnacle of our sport. But he said he had as much fun, you know, with the Monarchs as he had in his whole career because, you know, he, he kind of discovered the fun of the game. He loved it. And you find a lot of guys that find that same feeling of, of having the, the love of the game by playing with the Monarchs or playing in the American Association. One other key point as well about that game that my son and I will never forget. So Gabby Guerrero, right fielder for the Monarchs, who's back with the team this year. So he caught a ball, I believe it was a, a fly ball that he caught right in front of the warning track. And Dan, you can correct me, but the wall and right, what, about 331? So it's your standard right field wall. So with the porch yep. isn't, it's not a short porch by any means. He caught the ball and was right up against the wall, threw it on a strike right to the catcher, not a bounce. So he didn't bounce the ball once or twice to get to the catcher. He threw it completely in the air from the wall right to the catcher to hold the runner from tagging and advancing yep. from third. I've never seen somebody with that big of a cannon before. And so that one always will stick with my son and I as well, just seeing that throw. And we talk about that throw from Gabby Guerrero that he had in that game all the time. Yeah, he, uh, he's he got a heck of an arm. And his 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 dear friend and who was who had been signed off the roster that year already, John Hernandez, and him always have competitions about who's got the better arms. He's definitely got, uh, got you know, the, the Guerrero family, because he's part of the Guerrero family. They got the offense. They also can throw the ball, too. For work, I get up to Kansas City quite a bit. I was actually up in Kansas City on Friday, and then I have to go up to Kansas City tomorrow for work and then also have to stay over because I have a client meeting on Wednesday. And so I looked on the schedule, and the Monarchs have an off day today, but they're actually playing at home tomorrow. So I'm actually going to come out, and I'm going to be at the game tomorrow night, Dan. There you go. There you go, Eric. I like it. I like it. I, I know somebody gets you set up, so just let him know. <laughs> All right, for sure. <laughs> Can't wait to get out there since I had to stay over in Kansas City and the Royals are on the West Coast right now, so they're not at home. I'm like, I definitely have to get up to another Monarchs game. So I will be there tomorrow night. I have awesome. on my awesome. uh, Monarchs hat right now. It's the all red with the interlocking K and C. So I'll be rocking that hat tomorrow night. But yeah, excited to get to come see the Monarchs again. Awesome. Well, Dan, one of the segments we do, it's called the profit and loss segment. With the profit piece, it's just something that you have earned or gained by being a fan of the game of baseball, or in your case, being a worker involved with a team in baseball. Can you tell us a little bit something you gained or earned by being involved with baseball? I would say two things. that Relationships I've forged worldwide because I've, you know, I've worked in Australia 
in uh, winter ball over there, and I've got relationships there across the globe. The relationships I've, I've gathered, and, I, and this new monarch thing has been a great experience because I thought I knew history of the game. Yeah, you know, I, I know Ted Williams and Shoeless Joe, and you know players like that. You know, I know the, the Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris story, but I didn't know the Negro League story. And every night I get a chance to go on the air with the Monarchs and tell that story of our current brand and the and and the Rain Reborn brand, that whole locking together in the history of it. I mean, I, I told a story yesterday on the broadcast about Frank Duncan, who was the legendary catcher and manager of the Monarchs. And in 1941, Frank, uh, Frank Jr., who's the, the dad, and Frank III, the son, were the first father-son battery that ever have ever caught a big league game because that's now considered a big league game. And it was a Father's Day. And it was a great story for Father's Day. I'm learning things like that left and right. So my, my big gain is the knowledge I'm gaining from the Negro Leagues and from the Monarchs. It's, it's a, I, I literally learn something every day about the game that I didn't know before. I mean, every day I'm learning something new. And, I mean, it, it could be uh, – we were in Sioux City last week, for example, and people don't realize that Kansas City Monarchs, basically their second home was Sioux City and Sioux Falls. They were they would go up that way and play on the way to Chicago to play the American Giants. They'd stop off and play three days there. They were a big deal in Sioux City back in the day. I mean, I'm learning things about J.L. Wilkinson, our founder uh, from, you know, founder of the Negro Leagues in 1920. The, the plethora of knowledge I'm getting is beyond my, beyond my dreams. I, I never thought as a broadcaster I'd have this built-in storyline. So my profit for you guys is it's just the whole experience of the Negro Leagues Museum and, and all that, all the story of the Monarchs. Yeah, I was going to ask, because since you're up in the Kansas City area, you probably have been over to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum quite a few times. And just the history. Can you tell us a little bit about that museum and just your experience anytime you've gotten a chance to go see that? Phenomenal. Bob Kendrick is a legend. I mean, that guy is a national treasure. And of course, and he really took it over from Buck O'Neill. You know, of course, Buck goes to the Hall of Fame this summer. And, you know, Buck was the real founder of it. Bob kind of came in. He was a former writer for the Kansas City Star and kind of took it over and, and really took that that whole uh, Buck O'Neill energy and took it forward. And Bob's done a phenomenal job. Uh, Keona Sinks is his uh, media coordinator there, is a, a dear dear mate of mine. And, and what they do there is it's, it's life-changing. I really mean that. I mean, if you've, if you've not been, you know, as a white broadcaster, to not be touched by what those folks went through, I mean, I, I really believe, and I say this all the time on interviews, is that I believe that Dr. King was talking to me from the letters to Birmingham Jail. He was talking to me. And, and I, you, go to the, you go to the Civil Rights Museum in Memphis, you go to the museum there in Kansas City, you see, the, you see what these folks did through the injustice and a real upside-down time in our world and, and, and what they've done and what, they've, what they fought through. And it's inspiring to see that. The bottom line is that the museum – I call it the Kansas City three-step. It's baseball, barbecue, and going to the museum. That's what you got to do. You got <laughs> to do that. That, that. That's it, man. I, I mean, it's a life-changing thing for me. Uh, I am blessed to be a part of it. And what Bob Kendrick and, and the company do down there, it's phenomenal. And I, every time I'm down there, I've told this last night or yesterday on the air with Kiona Sinks, and I said, you know, every time I'm down there, I go, I get there, and I'm, I'm still there. And the security guard's going to come in and say, hey, uh, we're closed. You know, I'm like, oh. I get, I get so dialed in there that I forget what time it is. You know, that's what that's how that's how great that place is. Yeah, it's such a tremendous place. I was able to take my son. He was probably been about 11 a couple of years ago when we went and got to show him around there. And I'm glad that, I'm you know, two, two and a half, three hours from there, get a chance to go up there. It's a really great place. So if 
anybody has been there, obviously they can tell you, but if you haven't, make sure you get to Kansas City and go to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. It's such a great place. And just make sure you take your time and take it all in. Get there early. Get there early. Yes, <laughs> definitely. On the flip side, so, you know, we talked about our prof a little bit. Uh, tell us a loss, a team that you've been able to announce that maybe lost a championship or anything else. Maybe you had a favorite team growing up or whatever the case may be. Any loss that you can think of by being involved with the game of baseball? Simple. I wasn't involved with them, but I'm a fan. I'm a, a Texas Ranger fan. And 2011 and 12 were heartbreakers. 12 where there were two strike, you know, two different times they were strike away win the World Series. And I remember calling, you know, yesterday being Father's Day. I remember I went actually went to the uh, American League Championship Series in New York playing the the, the dreaded Yankees. And I remember calling my dad, you know, after Game Four up there, going, "Dad, we're going to go to the World Series. We got to win one more game. We're going to go to the World Series." I was like, I mean, it was like in my lifetime the Rangers were just garbage. They were terrible. I mean, the Rangers didn't sit the playoffs from '96. By the way. Mike Hinneman, our pitching coach, was the closer in that team. So I, I feel my world's come, you know, full circle there. That was their first playoff team was in 96 for Texas. They get the World Series, and they're going to beat the Cardinals, who's a legendary team, twice. Twice they have a chance, and they don't do it. And wah, 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 they lose the World Series, and that was a heartbreaker. I didn't work for them, but as a fan uh, and, and who makes his home in Dallas-Fort Worth, it broke my heart, and I grew up at the old Rangers, old Arlington Stadium, and spent many a night at the at, the, at both stadiums. And I just, it was a heartbreaker. I'm probably about five hours north of Texas, uh, the Dallas area. So I, besides Kansas City, seeing the Royals, I go down to Texas a decent amount to see uh, the Rangers. So I, I like them; they're one of my favorite teams as well. So yeah, I can imagine how it being in that area, yeah. It was hard. It was. I could tell you what I was doing. What I, I, the whole thing, and I remember that whole. Those two years were great. The playoffs were great. I remember Nellie Cruz had a walk-off uh, home run against Detroit in the uh, division series the year before. But uh, that 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 World Series was painful. The year before, the prior year, they lost the Giants. The Giants were really good. That series is really one-sided. But that St. Louis series is pretty even. Yeah. And yeah, and they were. You know, and you know that, and Nelly kind of ran around the ball in the in left and in right field there, and kind of they didn't make the play, and and the wheels came off, and they wound up losing Game Six and then Game Seven. It was just heartbreaker. Yes, definitely. Well, it's funny. So I'm just taking a look here. So Johnny's wearing the Wichita Cow Tippers. So the local team we have here in Wichita has a Copa brand that's the Cow Tippers. So. Yesterday and this weekend, the Kansas City Monarchs were playing the Milwaukee Milkmen. Yep. And so the Monarchs were actually playing as the Moonarchs. And yep. so they had jerseys that look like cows, you know, had the spots on it. So that as I was taking a look at Johnny's hat. So as of yesterday, when they beat the Milkmen, they won 16 to 5 to get their record to 22 and 11. Uh, I believe they're a game out of first place behind Fargo Moorhead. Now, I know it's still pretty early in the season and it's hard to compare teams, but how does this team, I know they have Matt Adams this year and some of the guys back from last year. How does this team, you think, compare to last year's if there is a comparison you can make? Yeah, it's hard to compare the two, but I, I said initially to start the year that this club would be better, but, but win fewer games. Because last year we played the Houston Apollos who were from the Pecos League and they were kind of a barnstorming team. We, we I think we won all 12 games against them. That was my thinking, but I didn't realize this team would have the, the home run power they have. And I believe we had four home runs yesterday. We've hit 63 home runs. We've hit uh, – we, last year, 
147. That was a league record. And we've already hit, you know, the, the, the 60 mark. And we're well on track to about 193 or four runs. The pitching's been great. Uh, you know, starting rotation's been great. Everything's been great. I, I, it's hard to compare year to year, but there's a lot of guys from last year. You know, Casey Gillespie from Wichita Stater mm-hmm. is our first baseman. Darnell Sweeney's back. And John Hernandez, and you mentioned Gabby Guerrero, but also Matt Adams. Uh, David Thompson playing third as a former Miami Hurricane. And, uh, uh, just a phenomenal third baseman. We got a lot of really, a lot of really good pieces. And I think this team, it's hard comparing year to year, but right. they're every bit as good as last year. And they got some pop. It's scary how good this home run club is. I mean, it's, I mean, Milwaukee is a solid ball club, and we, we put up 15, you know fifteen against them yesterday, and really the the power numbers have just been unreal. I mean, Matt Adams, Matt Adams, every time he hits a foul ball, you're like, wow, that's a that's an awesome foul ball. I mean, so yeah, I would say this club, uh, they're a different club, but every bit as good if if not on track to be better. Fargo's a solid club, but that. I, I think it's a shame that Fargo and, and Kansas City are in the same division because they really should be the team that play in the – I mean, if we have the championship tomorrow, that's what, the, that's what it should be, the championship between Fargo and Kansas City. Well, I'm really excited to continue following along. And like I said, I'll, I'm excited to be out there tomorrow. I know you'll be up in the booth, but I'll wait from my seat tomorrow. And um, <laughs> we just really appreciate you coming on with us today, Dan. Is, is there uh, anywhere that – People can, our listeners can follow you or follow the team any, on social media or anything? Absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Vaughn. That's V-A-U-G-H-A-N Jr. Dan Vaughn Jr. on Twitter or Kansas City Monarchs or our broadcast is on AA Baseball TV and our radio call is on MixLR, uh, Mixler, some call it, but MixLR, it's Kansas City Monarchs. And you can follow all of our social channels, Kansas City Monarchs and our broadcast links are there, and we'd love to have you join us. We do a really interactive broadcast. We do a little interactive chat on our audio side. We will chat back and forth, and uh, just like you're sitting right there next to me. So we'd love to have you all join us and uh, come see the Monarchs in Kansas City. Well, perfect. Again, thanks for joining us today, Dan. Thanks for talking a little bit about your story as a radio voice and then talking about the Kansas City Monarchs. And so make sure everybody goes out, uh, check out Dan, and then obviously check out the Kansas City Monarchs, follow along. Just like last year, this team's going to be really good and support them, root them on, buy the gear, get in, get up to Kansas City, uh, watch them play, and then obviously stop by the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum while you're there. And Dan, we like to, Johnny's going to take us out here. We have a couple lines that we like to say at the end of our recording, so he's going to take us out here. Gotcha. America, lower your standards. Average is what these guys do best. Go Monarchs!